from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Heard worldwide here on our live streaming opportunity on MixLR and on WakeUpCallDT.com. You can hear back this show and all of the shows of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora all the way back to 2012 by going to WakeUpCallDT.com and clicking on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn, YouTube, and so on and so forth. With that being said, I'm very happy for the first time ever to have Charlene Curtis on the show. She has been the ACC Supervisor of Women's Basketball Officials and announcing her retirement following 11 years of service to the league and greater than 24 years of affiliation with the ACC as either a coach or an administrator. She is now moving forward in her career and it couldn't have picked a better time. God's always on time. So we're happy to have Charlene Curtis on the show. Charlene, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good morning to you, Dan. And I, I got to ask you, Charlene, what, what did it for you? I mean, uh, you and I spoke a little bit off the air about, you know, God's always on time. And you kind of ask him, you know, when, you know, you, you, you put it in front of him before, you know, instead of just doing it by yourself. What felt right to you that this was the time to announce your retirement? What 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 was it about right now? that you felt was a good time for you to kind of close this chapter? Well, you know, Dan, it it really kind of goes back to the 11 years ago when I was offered this position, because as you know, I never officiated. So it was a godsend for me to even have this opportunity. And when I came into the league 11 years ago, I came in with Norlin Finch, um, and who is also retiring this year. And I kind of knew, all along that, you know, the day that she was ready to announce her retirement, I would be right behind her um, because it's been a great work experience. It's been great with John Swafford as our commissioner here at the ACC. And and for me, I was like, OK, I'm ready to do this, um, ready to step in what I'm calling elderhood as opposed to retirement, um, because I'm not sure what, what what's going to be there tomorrow for me. Um, but I know it was an opportunity for me to to say thank you to the people here at the ACC and to step away. And I feel good about it. And when you say that, you said, you know, when Norlin Finch, when, when she was announcing her retirement, that you wouldn't be far behind her. You know, what, what linked you to that? I mean, obviously joining the conference and doing this back in 2008 and Norlin Finch as well. But what is it about her that you kind of just felt like, hey, when, when she's set, I kind of feel like, you know, our, our paths are tethered together, so to speak. Well, you know, it's it's just so interesting because I, I go back and I look at my history and I first met Norlin um, when I was an assistant coach slash grad student at uh, Virginia. And she was an assistant on the NC State staff with, with uh, Kay Yao. And so I've always had uh, some admiration for her because she, to me, she was like the epitome of what an administrator is supposed to be like. And when she moved into administration and I had a chance when I was coaching at Wake Forest to still be connected uh, with her. And then when I found out that she was going to be um, in charge of women's basketball at the ACC and, and she and John Swafford wanted me in the position to work with her, 
uh, that admiration just grew more and more. And I, I not only consider her as my quote boss, um, but also a dear friend. And, um, and I just, you know, I just feel right. I think it's a great opportunity for whoever comes in to replace Nora Lynn to, to have an opportunity to hire the person that they would like to see work with them for the next 10 plus years or whatever um, here at the ACC. And I just think it's the time and it's just right for everyone. And it's certainly right for me. Um, it's been a great experience working with these officials and the coaches. And um, the one thing I do say that, that, that God increased my mission field when he put me in position for this job. Uh, I'm not sure why on the front end, but I now know. I didn't know on the front end why this job was there for me. Uh, but through all the experiences that I've had and the relationships that I've developed, um, I, I know why now. And it's just it's just been a perfect situation. And it's all about his timing. And when you look at that and, and you see that, you know, in and, and, and his timing and his connection, we'll talk about a little bit that in, in just in just a few minutes here. But I do want to get to, you know, just what you could say about Norlin Finch as the ACC Senior Associate Commissioner. And, and obviously in connection with women's basketball, just what she's done for the league and what she's done as a senior associate commissioner under John Swafford, just what you can say she has done for the ACC, what she's brought to the ACC, what type of legacy she leaves. Well, I think one of the most important things is that she helped during the transition when we added institutions, when we grew to 15, she was able to bring all of the coaches. So we're sitting in coaches meetings and we're sitting, sitting in administrator meetings, like those administrators that were on the, uh, the women's basketball committee, uh, responsible for their programs on their campuses. We'd be sitting in these meetings and she was able to bring these 15 different entities and with these 15 different personalities and these, you know, people with different experiences onto the same page. And, to bring them together so that for the benefit of the league. I mean, the fact that the ACC women's basketball in the last two years has been the best conference in the country, that didn't just happen. You know, and it, and it happened because of the of her leadership and the fact that she was able to get coaches and administrators to buy in um, to a philosophy of how we were going to do things here at the ACC. You know, when I was coaching in the ACC, there were only nine teams in the league. And so we'd have our coaches meetings and you, you knew everybody and everybody was on the same page about how can we, you know, be the best conference in the country? What are the things that we need to do? And then when the league started growing, the conference started growing, my fear is that we would we'd lose some of that, 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 you know, coaches and institutions would be more about what's going to be in it for them. But that didn't happen because of Nora Lynn's direction and because of John Swafford's direction and leadership. And with Nora Lynn, she was able to nurture those relationships and build on those relationships. And she encouraged all of us here at the office, um, and in particular, Brad Hecker, who was the, the you know, I'm kind of my right hand person when I first got started because he knows the business inside and out. He was here before Nora Lynn and I got here. And so he knows women's basketball at the ACC inside out. And so he was even encouraged to go out by Nora Lynn. He was encouraged to go out and develop relationships. And that's one of the things she even said to me. I mean, she helped me to grow. She helped me to become a better listener. So when you, you know, when you have a chance to work with someone that has the experiences that, that Norlin Finch has, 
that and she's willing to share those experiences and she's willing to help you grow um i couldn't have been in a better place and so you know when, when you talk about the legacy that she's leaving i mean it's it's even bigger than the acc because it's all of college women's basketball and even athletics because she's always been a a person that was leading out front and bringing people along with her that coming from charlene curtis the ACC supervisor of women's basketball officials since 2008 to get the job that you got, like you made mention of to have not been an official, but to become the head of this and to supervise the officials for the ACC, just what you could say about that opportunity and how it came about. And you know, how, you know, how surprised were you and whatnot that you had been a coach. And then you got asked to, you know, supervise the officials where it wasn't something that you had done in your career. Well, uh, you know, the Norlin Finch's predecessor was Bernadette McGlade, who's now the commissioner of the Atlantic 10. And Bernie was the associate commissioner here at the ACC when I was coaching at Wake Forest. And so when I got fired at Wake, not rehired, people say you didn't get fired, but yes, I did. I didn't get rehired. <laughs> so when I got let go at Wake Forest uh, in 2004, uh, Bernadette McGlade contacted me and I ended up uh, doing television as an analyst for Fox Sports South and um, doing the ACC games. And also during that time, uh, Bernadette McGlade had me attend the officiating camps and evaluate officials from a coach's perspective. So I got that experience. I don't know if she had in mind that she was trying to prep me for this position because this is a brand new position because Bernadette McGlade used to do both. She used to be the associate commissioner and uh, the, the coordinator or supervisor of officials here at the ACC. And so when she left, they split that job. And for whatever reason, maybe, you know, they thought I would be objective, but I was able to come in without any preconceived ideas about who the best officials were. I got to learn who the best officials were. But I also, I had two goals when I came in. So when they hired me, I said, okay, I've, number one, I've got to learn the business. I've got to learn how uh, the officiating side works. I knew when I saw a good official, I, you know, in terms of calls and how officials communicate with coaches on the sideline, I knew that. And that's kind of over my coaching experiences. But I didn't know how the, how it all, how the operation works. So I had to learn that. But I also had a second goal. I knew I was coming in at a time when it was going to be important that we develop the next generation of officials to be ready to replace the veterans that we had at that point in time. So there were people like June Corteau, who, who's, who's our most recent national coordinator, um, uh, Sally Bell, who just who retired last year from the SEC as their coordinator, uh, people like Joe Cunningham and Tommy Salerno, and I could name a bunch of others. They were all still officiating when I started. And those were the people that were kind of driving the ball. They were the ones who were the ones out front. Well, in time, they were going to be stepping off the court. And were we, were we ready to replace them? And were our coaches going to be comfortable with this next generation? And I really believe we made that happen. Uh, we had two people who worked the ACC championship game this year who ended up, who were also working in the Final Four. Neither one of those were ACC officials when I started. Uh, one had just gotten hired, and the other one wasn't on the roster yet. 
and yet they were working Final Fours this year. So we successfully have developed and we're still developing that next generation. But hopefully I've left that in place for the next supervisor at the ACC to come in and take it to another level and even get the next group ready to step in. The other supervisors of officials inside of the ACC are are two people I consider friends, Dennis Hennigan for football, Brian Kersey of men's basketball. How connected are you with them, and and how much time have you gotten to spend with with Dennis or Brian? Well, it's interesting you say that because uh, just yesterday I had an opportunity to talk to Dennis, and we were both in the office together, and and I had a phone conversation with Brian, and um, we would go back and forth on things. We we actually shared the same office. We were hardly ever here together, but when we were here or we were a phone call away, I mean, we would talk about scenarios that were so similar. And though basketball and football are two different sports, the issues that we deal with, uh, with whether it's with, with the coaches or with the officials or just situations, are still so very similar. And and, and I would talk to those guys. And I talked to John Clockerty, who was Brian Kersey's uh, predecessor, um, a lot because John was here when I got hired. Um and so anytime I had questions about how to handle situations um, or we would compare things, you know, it would open my eyes a little bit more and give me a little bit more background. But those two those two guys are super guys to work with. Um, Brian and Dennis are just really good people. And I mean, I, we say that because, you know, that's what the ACC does. They hire really good people. And so I just was blessed to have an opportunity, to, you know, just to be in the same place with them and to learn from them. And to to have this connection, and obviously as you move forward, I have to ask you this as the supervisor of officials for women's basketball in the ACC, my guy, I spent a lot of time with him. I've known him for almost a decade, and we have a very good relationship. So I have to kind of mess with him a little bit on this interview and at the same time get your thoughts. What What is your take on, on the man Coach Q at Syracuse, Quentin Hillsman? <laughs> I love him. He, he, he is such a special person. Um, I knew him before because I've, I was in coaching a long time and I knew him when, and I say before he was ever at Syracuse and when he was on the AAU side of things. Um, so I, I just, I have a lot of respect for him. I love his intensity and emotion on the sideline and, and I just love the way his teams play. They always play hard. They're always going to come after you. Um, but he is such, again, we talk about good people. He fits in the good people category. Has has he called you and asked you a million questions, though? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we talk, and I talk to others on his staff. I may talk to some others on his staff maybe more than, than, than I actually speak with him. Yeah. Because uh, he's got other things he's got going on. But, you know, I mean, th- his staff will send video clips. Uh, we'll look at plays. We'll talk situations. Um, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, they like to trap a lot. And, and, and players will get – offensive players will get trapped by his his team. And sometimes we miss the travel because they'll travel trying to get out of the trap. And we've talked for the last three or four years how we can better officiate that. Um, because that's how they play. And, and, and when we should be blowing a whistle and calling a traveling violation, sometimes we're not doing that. But he, he, he's a great guy, and his, he, has a, he has a great staff. And um, Yeah, he's one of my favorites. And I have to ask you, speaking here with Charlene Curtis, who has announced her retirement from the ACC Supervisor of Officials for Women's Basketball after serving since 2008, I have to ask you this about Q because I mess with him about it all the time. Are you and the officials of the ACC okay allowing him 
to go out onto the court, to the three-point line, the half-court line, the other team's three-point three line. I told Q, I said, you literally look like you're, you're like when you go out into the ocean and there's that sandbar where you can like stand in the middle of the ocean, but you could stand on top of the sand, so you're in the water, but you're still. I was like, you go out there pretty far, Q. I was like, you know, I said, and, and they, and I said they, they let you, and I kind of joke with them about it because I said I don't think anybody can get farther out on the court than than he can. What do you think about about that? The fact that Coach Q is essentially in the game all the time. <laughs> well, I'm laughing as you're saying that, and uh, I think they put they they extended the coaching box just for him, and I say that <laughs> tongue in cheek. So it gives him more opportunity, more room to operate on the sideline. Um, but he's gotten better. I mean, he, he when I started, you know, when he, they came into the ACC, yeah, he was out on the court a little bit more than he was supposed to be out on the court. But they came up with these new rules now that we warn them the first time they're out there, even if they're coaching. And then we give them a te- technical foul. So he didn't get as many technical fouls this year because he's he's learning. <laughs> he's learning. <laughs> but uh, awesome. I really believe they, they extended the coaching box uh, 10 feet just to help Q. Yeah, I would – I would venture to say they they made it a little bit bigger in the sandbox so he can play. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> speaking here with Charlene Curtis, Charlene, before I let you go, just to uh, to go back to something you said in the beginning here. You know, I say on the show all the time that I welcome listeners of all different beliefs and you know sports figures of all different beliefs, and everybody's welcome on the show. And I said just as much as I don't tell them what to believe in, you know, I, I res- you know I, I appreciate their respect on the other side that I do talk about God on my show and I do have a strong faith. I know that you share that. And it's important to me to, you know, display that on the show because I wouldn't be here without God. I would not be owning my own company and sitting in my studio on my microphone if, I, if not for him. So I, I wanted to ask you before we finished up, just, you know, your faith and your drive and your determination and just what God has been in your life. Well, God has been everything. Um, you know, you talk about God is my life. Uh, he is first in my life. And I've grown in that faith. And I, you know, I, I had a, uh, I won't call it a cancer scare, but I, I have uh, advanced stage cancer. And uh, five years ago, uh, wasn't so sure that they were even going to do surgery. Well, the doctor didn't want to do surgery. And so I have a God story to tell people that we're not going to take all the time to tell you today. But what was so neat about it, and when we say neat about it, well, obviously I survived it because I'm still here. And they had to do surgery because God wouldn't let them find what they wanted to find the way they wanted to find it. So they had to do surgery, which is why I'm still here. But the important thing was I was able to share that message with 170 officials. I was able to stand in front of them and talk uh, about my faith journey through that and how every time I went to the doctor's office or I had a scan done or anybody was going to poke me with a needle or something, I said, you know, you're going to do what God has gifted you to do and what you've been trained to do, what you've learned in school, but he's going to take care of the rest. And I would say that to every one of them. And I believe that to this day. Um, And so when I was able to share my story with the officials and I've shared it with coaches and I've shared it with others, it really changed um, how people viewed me because you know, how you, when you say, I believe that when I'm weak, he's strong. Like, like that's when, when we know God is more there is when we are weakest and we have to humble ourselves that way. And so for me to be able to stand in front of my officials and say, you know what, I had this going on. They they now come to me 
I mean, I've had more of them talk to me about their individual situations, you know, their mothers, their fathers, their sisters, their brothers. And it's something it's something that we share. So my job as a supervisor of officials, yes, I have to um, I have to evaluate. I have to hire. I have to hold them accountable. I assign them to games. You know, I do all those things. I have to listen to coaches on the phone when they're complaining and telling me how bad the officiating is. You know, you do all those things. But none of that is as important or is more important than the light that shines through me for me to make sure I don't hide God's light under a candle stand. You put it up on top of the stand so that it can shine. And so what what this position has done for me, number one, it was a godsend. It wasn't anything that I sought, but God knew that this was where I needed to be. And he put me here. And he also brought all of those people into my life and gave me an, an increase to my mission field. So so what does God mean to me? He's my life. I mean, he's my savior. He's I'm going to be shouting on Easter Sunday. <laughs> and And what a beautiful thing to. To have that and to and to know that, and actually, one of the coaches that I had that that you know, as actually on today's show, Joe Adam, and you know, he said to me, and it was a beautiful thing, and I and I don't want to misquote him, so he actually said, and I want to make sure that I say it in its entirety here. I asked him if he would be on the show, and he said absolutely, and he said, "Awesome, great week coming up as we celebrate the resurrection on Sunday." I know you are with me on that, and he and he sent me the cross. And it's just, you know, it is, Charlene, it's, it, it's, it's such a different world to, you know, when you open up to God and you have God in your life, you feel things, like, like everything on this plane, you know, we, most of us see and hear and whatever, but there's so much more to it and you can only sense it and only know it when God is here. And, it, and it, it's amazing how, you know, I said to God, I remember recently, I said, God, you know, I want to put a message out. And I want one person to see it. And that person didn't see it uh, that I know of, but he sent me an army of angels that saw that and after that and, and just people coming to you and being there for you. And it's like, he doesn't send you what you want. He sends you what you need. And I do like the three answers that God has to every prayer. Yes, not yet. And I have something better in mind, you know, that he never says no. He just says, trust me. And the the craziest thing is that, you know, I truly deeply believe that, you know, I can hear him, I can see him, I can feel him. And when some things started going in a different direction in my life a few weeks ago, I heard him in my right ear say, have faith, have faith, Daniel. And that's all I could hear. And then I go to Bible study. And what's the message of Bible study? Trust God or there are consequences. Then I go to church, trust God. Here's the ways that you trust God and have faith. So I got to a point where I just looked up at him and then he played a song for me four times in one day. And I went, okay, <laughs> I, I hear you, but I mean, it's all in good fun, but in all honesty, yeah, I'm with you, you know, without God in my life, I can't, I can't walk a foot. I can't do anything. Yes. So I'm with you on that hundred percent. Yes. So and it, and it's, it's a blessing for me to, uh, have met you through this interview and I certainly look forward to the day that I can meet you in person. Absolutely, Charlene. Well, you keep doing what you're doing, and God doesn't make mistakes. And, you know, this interview was meant to happen, and I, I already feel uplifted. I feel the spirit in me better now. So thank you for you, and I look forward to that day as well. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs>